Known fact, Jeremy, that it's a blank screen. Where are we? There we are. I sang that. That was singing. That was me. People often think that's that's um, Eddie Vedder. Of course not. That was me at the last Silky's hike. I had a few drinks. I admit, I admit, and uh, I pulled out the guitar, and and that's uh, the only live recording of me singing Patriot. If you guys heard me sing, you would. uh, Welcome to the Twenty One Gun Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Sullivan. Is this mic in my way? Yeah, my little monkey here. Hold on, let me turn it this way. This little monkey, I don't know if I told you guys before, but you this sure is, have. I have. Mm-hmm. God damn it, I'm such a one-trick pony. Um, with us tonight is Jeremy, as always, over in the seat, um, doing his thing, running the cameras, trying to make everything look professional. That's what it's all about, looking professional. See these lights and the sounds? This is all Jeremy. So thank him. Send him an email. It's uh, I don't know what his email Insane is. Insanemarine69 at gmail.com. There you go. We have a great show for you tonight. Uh, packed show. Let me pull up my my guest. We have Andrew Biggio coming on. I hope I'm saying that right. Biggio? Biggio. Big Biggio. Yep. Uh, he's coming on to talk about his book, The Rifle. Seems like a really, really cool book, and I am going to read it this... Well, I think it drops on June 1st, so we can't read it this weekend. But next weekend, I will definitely... Uh, uh, read that one. He is a former Marine. I don't know much about like his MOS or anything like that, um, but we will find out when we have him on. We also have Katie Uhas and Dr. Jason Owen. Is he in the uh, green room yet? I don't see him. Nope. Uh, they are uh, here to talk about the VA's mobile mental health program. I'm probably butchering like what it's called, but there's a, a whole suite of, of apps that the VA is putting out, and they're going to talk to us about that because after the last year, doing stuff remote via apps has been kind of the way to do things. Um, what else do we have? I'm deaf. Did I mention that to you yet, Jeremy? Huh? Completely deaf. So here's the weird thing. I woke up. I woke up uh, Monday, Monday morning. Now, if you're <laughs> if you were in the military, if you were a firefighter, whatever you do, if you're uh, construction around loud noises, you know the ringing that you get in your ears, right? You get this ringing in your ears, whatever. Uh, you just live with it. They call it tinnitus called tinnitus and i had a little bit of that just because of all the the jet engines i was around but all of a sudden monday i wake up and it's like i'm I'm about half deaf in my right ear and then it sounds like someone's got a drill right next to my ear and i'm like that's not supposed to happen being a pa i just quickly go through my books and i'm like i'm not sick doesn't feel like an ear infection what the hell is going on? Uh, I start looking up all the stuff that could possibly be. Nothing, nothing is good, right? Nothing is good when you just have a random hearing As loss a with doctor. With you went through your book and there was nothing. Did you go through WebMD? Uh, no, <sighs> come on. I went through my own notes that I take on all my my patients because I'm a smart man. Anyway, so uh, yeah, and then I start doing all these tests on myself. We have these. I don't have one in here. My kids are playing with it. But I I kid you not, modern medicine, MRIs, functional MRIs, uh, open heart surgeries. When we check hearing, we literally take a, a tuning fork and we put it on your forehead and it vibrates your skull. Mm-hmm. And then if it, la- I don't want to use fancy terms for all Marines uh, that are watching, but if it lateralizes to the bad ear, the ear that has an ear infection in it, that's good. That means you can still hear. It's just blocked up with pus. If it lateralizes to the ear that is the bad ear, wait, am I saying that That's right? a good ear. 
Yeah, I got to remember. If it goes to the bad ear, that's good. If it goes to the good ear, that's bad. And what? I put it on there, whoom, right to the good ear. I'm like, God damn. Son of a bitch. It's like I, one of the worst parts of being a PA, uh, physician assistant. Actually, we just changed it last week. It's physician associate. I know. This is freaking, let's watch Kevin talk about being a PA in his bad ear. We'll move on. Relax, people. Um, yeah, we're now a physician associate. That was just changed. We're no longer a physician assistant. I guess someone felt inferior. Um, but yeah, now that's that. Let's move on. So I t- actually, I can. I might as well take this out because it doesn't even work for me. Yeah, anymore. I've been sitting here. I'm like, you, you have that one in. You know you can't hear. And he's just like, I'm just going to put that one on. This is, yeah, but I feel like I have a little bit of, a little bit of sound. Just makes me feel better. Uh, this is uh, my... Our, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Memorial Day show. I just It just dawned on me because Memorial Day is this weekend. And you know what else okay. dawned on me? Two years ago was the first episode of 21 Gun. Uh, it it aired on May, whatever it was, uh, last year. But it aired on May 30th of 2019. Uh, that, that two years went by. So wow. here's, the, here's the deal. Where, where 21 Gun came from is I've, I've done podcasts for a while. In fact, Mike, who was here a few weeks ago, we talked about it. Uh, he used to come on the show all the time. And I was just getting done with it. You know, I was I was working my butt off and I just didn't feel a connection to it. So I canceled that show personally. And then I went up to Burbiz. When I went up to Burbiz, I met Dan Mallard and I met Donnie O'Malley. And I was like, they didn't know this, but underneath I was like, I'm going to build them a podcast. And so I did. And then Dan Mallard actually was the first first guest of the show. That's and I think Donnie that. was the second guest to show you how that works. And then six months later, whatever, here we are, the Irreverent Warriors podcast. So thank you. If you're tuning in right now, seriously, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Uh, we're trying to do the best that we can. Jeremy hopped on after COVID and now it's evolved. This is definitely not the original show. God, no. It was from our homes and it was the worst audio, the worst video. Yeah. Hey, do you know what's funny? There was a Christmas show with Paul Cardenas and Mike Stojic about God, it must have been the first year. And I, I'm going to actually, I'll, I'll take a look after this. It's the sound is horrendous. We're like overly excited. We're like, oh, hey, hey, everyone. Trying to, oh, it was, it was just, what do you call that? Douche chills. Uh, you guys are a great team. Thank you, Mitch Bell. Check out Taco Tuesday, Tuesdays with Taco Tuesdays. Tall with, Tales with Tall Taco. Tall Tales with Tuesday Taco. <laughs> Check out his uh, podcast. He Now, here's the thing about Mitch. Uh, he has some legitimate not that my people aren't legitimate, but he gets some badass dudes on there. A lot of, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, Medal of Honor recipients. In fact, he just interviewed Woody uh, Woody Williams, the Medal of Honor person that we're going to talk about tonight, actually, because oh, yeah. I believe uh, Mr. Biggio uh, spoke with him recently. Let's look. Uh, we got to get right into it because we got two guests. Well, we have three guests, I think. Uh, I don't see him on there, but at least we have two guests. Both are going to take up pretty much this entire time because they have some interesting stuff. We have no one in the studio. I wish, you know, I should have put a camera on the empty seat over there. There's just no one there. It's sad. It's, it's weird now. Like you, you, the last couple of weeks you get that presence mm-hmm. to, to fill the room, whether it's, whether it's, you know, philosophical Frank or somebody and you finally get a chance to like not just bitch and yell at me. I mean, um, joke with me. <laughs> I don't even have the sniper uh, video up. But, and the other weird thing too is whenever we go, when we end the show, we usually stay on a talk with the guests for a little bit. Um, and the guests are always surprised that we're all in the same room. So watch this. I'm going to prove something tonight, guys. See, we are in the same room. <laughs> this is non, this is a, a post COVID. Just in case you guys didn't catch that. What's he talking about? <laughs> oh, I hit you. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. Lose an eye, lose an ear, whatever. 
Uh, okay, announcements. Let's look. If you guys want to be on the couch, we have a lot of people coming on. Nick Culpepper is going to be on the show. Um, Rug, Ruggy, Ruggy, Ruggy Jones, mm-hmm. Ruggy Jones is going to be on the show uh, on the, the whatever you call it. Uh, Matt Reeves, for the second time in a row, Matthew, not Matt James Reeves, is calling me during the episode. Okay, so that's my fault. I actually dared him to do it. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Dude, I'm doing a podcast. Move on. Move on. Upcoming hikes. We have three dates coming up with seven hikes. We got a lot of these uh, just because we're doing so many. It's only 52 weeks a year. You take off a few weeks and you got to have weekends that are just crowded with uh, with hikes. But hopefully there's one near you. So we have May 29th with Spokane, Spokane, Washington. We have May 29th, Pittsburgh, PA. May 29th, Milford, Milford, Mass. Milford, guys, listen to me. Listen closely. I'm wicked pissed off at you because I contacted you like 42 times and you guys never contacted me back. So you are officially not welcome on the show. I'm just kidding. You can come on if you want. June 12th, we have Wilmington, North Carolina. What's going on at the Wilmington hike? I know... We are going to be doing a live show. Guys, this is going to be the first time we do that. I know this is live every week, but we're going to set up there and have like a, um, a table with the Silkies hikers in the background. We're supposed to be on a pier or something like that. We're going to have a PA system. It's going to be fun. So it's going to be a live show. Uh, if you want to meet me, I know a lot of you do because who doesn't? this glorious beard, uh, head over to the Wilmington hike and you'll see me walking around. Uh, June 12th, Colorado Springs, Colorado. I've sent a, 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 a something to Nikki or Nicole. Wait, who is it? Natasha. Natasha. Uh, but I haven't heard back from her. So Natasha, if you're watching, get back to me. Uh, June, wait, which one? Uh, Colorado Springs, June 12th. Oh, yeah, yeah. June 12th, Galveston, Texas. Wow, that's just south of Houston and even more south of the Woodlands, which might be my residence. June 27th, Puerto Rico. That's going to be a cool one. Um, I have a lot of... Actually, uh, Frank, EOD Frank, <clears throat> just went to to Puerto Rico, so we got to ask him about the... It'd be, actually be good to have him on during that show. Yeah, so Mario Lynn's going to hop on and tell us all about that stuff. Why don't you head over right now to reverentwarriors.com, pull up number two, and buy yourself... Some merch. Do you know why? When we do these these hikes, they cost money. And whenever you do something, and now look, I left this link on purpose. Here, blow that up for me. Uh, yeah, when you buy our merch, it helps us. Um, so you're, it's for a good cause. Here's my question. I have a feeling that this is going to be a very ugly summer. And you're probably like, what do you mean ugly summer? Uh, I've seen the, listen, people, Nate, I'm looking at you. Uh, uh, Lois, I'm looking at you. The glasses. The mustaches, the jorts, the half shirts, the mullets. It's uh, listen. I grew up. Okay, this is like when when you see people doing um, what's that fake war thing? Airsoft. You're like you're larping. You weren't there, man. You weren't there, man. I was in the '80s and the '90s. <laughs> I lived there. In fact, I, thank God there was no social media during that time. But um, when I was wearing jorts and and a cut off mesh shirt last weekend um there was no what there was no there was no proof except for some old pictures that my mom kept so every now and then those come out and i look and i feel so these guys this is forever now i'm not trying to keep you from buying this stuff because obviously it's for a good cause but what i'm telling you is be careful who is this guy do we know who that is nick saywall oh it is it really yeah i don't think i ever met him here blow (gasps) blow him up look that's this guy parties i want to hang out with him Oh, this is the wrong screen I'm blowing up. Other one. Let's click on this one. It's all right. It's all right. You already screwed up. We got to move on now. (laughs) Actually, that's the photo standard does not blow up. Oh, that's dumb. Uh, That's all I got. You got any 
announcements? I'm two minutes over no, my time. No, just make sure you guys go ahead and sign up for your hikes. Mm-hmm. Please register. Please register. That goes towards making sure we have proper counts, not only at the hikes, as well as uh, proper food portions and so we know how many people show up. That's pretty much it. And if you guys aren't sure, you all your start points and everything that is passed out in your um, Eventbrite email when you register. So make That's sure you right. check that. And sometimes if you register early enough, you get t-shirts, right? You do. Now I'm not speaking for every hike. Some hikes will sometimes have like the first so many may get a free t-shirt or something. It's, it's not guaranteed. Not a half shirt. Some have done it in the past. So I'm just saying. Okay. Well, that's it. Um, I guess bring up, well, have number three on standby and let's bring up uh, Andrew or Andy Biggio. Let's bring him on here. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Now, I, I believe you are a, a Marine. Is that correct? Yes. Awesome. What was your MOS? 0311. 03. I've heard of that one before. <laughs> that one. I know it is. That's aircraft maintenance. Correct. No, water, pur- <laughs> water purification. Is- oh, there you go. <laughs> Someone put up a picture of the, uh, the Marsoc, whatever it was. It was a total meme, but it was like the Marsoc badge. And it was like, if you see someone wearing these... They're aviation technicians or something. And it was this whole like thing. And I'm looking at it. And I'm like, now I wasn't a Marine, but I'm pretty sure yeah. that means you're a killer. Not that yeah. L311s aren't killers. You guys are obviously killers too. Uh, for those who are listening, killers is a term of endearment. So um, don't send me emails. So about how that. you doing killer? Not you're a killer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got you. Just got, just got to clarify because some of us Marines are dumb. So we have to make sure we understand that. <laughs> That's true. So uh, what years were you in? Uh, 2006 to 2012. Uh, okay. So I, I was at Paris Island 666, and then oh, I got out uh, New Year's Day 2012. Mm-hmm. I, re- I remember a bunch of, uh, like, Satanists got married on that day. That was, like, a big thing, which, okay. Okay, so they got married. He went to boot camp. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Same. <laughs> Same thing. Does that, you probably weren't thinking of marriage yet at that point. I don't know. Were you married? Maybe you were. Nope, nope. I think I graduated high school in May, and then oh, okay. it's so sick. Right I was getting That's my head caved in at Paris Island. Yeah. Now, see, I'm keeping, I'm keeping my jokes because we have some important VIPs on today. So I'm going to keep it clean. We're gonna, we're gonna make it through this, Kevin. I just, as you were saying that, I was thinking stripper jokes, and you know, which, but see, I won't say them. I won't say any jokes like that tonight. Um. So yeah, did you deploy it all? Yep. Uh, I was in Iraq in 2008 and then Afghanistan in 2011. Okay. Uh, 2008, I was out by then. I don't, I don't know. So my whole career ended in 07 and it's like, I, I don't know anything beyond that. Like I did, you know what I mean? Like I can no, tell I know, you. I know what you mean. Yeah. Cause I, when I got out in 2011, basically, um, I went to the police Academy and guys were like, yeah, I was in Iraq in 2014 and 2013. I was like, what in the fuck could possibly be going on in Iraq in 2014? But you I just know, heard something, it just I just heard on. something from you, uh, Andy. And I didn't realize this. You're from the motherland. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you from? Uh, well, I was born and raised in Everett, Massachusetts. Yeah, I know Everett mass. Come on. Mm-hmm. And now I live in, I live in the town of Winthrop, but I've lived all over yeah. Boston. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know Winthrop too. I lived in Davis Square, Somerville. I lived up in Southern New Hampshire. So I, I for high school and everything, I went to Southern New Hampshire. And I lost my accent. Uh, mm. My whole family my first, has it. My first arrest was in Davis Square. Ah, Davis yep. Square. Um, yeah, a lot of smart people there. Not as cool as like. Um, I'm trying to think of some cooler places, but I haven't lived there in 20 years. I I only the I, Joshua Tree. We used to go hang out at the Joshua Tree. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's still there. 
Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I lived right near there. It was a, it was the, the most, here's the thing people understand about city living, right? I've, I've, I have a graduate degree. I didn't read as much as I did when I traveled into Boston every day. Cause I'd get on the T, which is our subway and hold on. So you took the subway, you didn't ride your bike across. <laughs> no, actually I've never ridden a bike in Boston. Oh no, actually I learned how to ride a bike in, uh, Burlington, Mass. I'm sure you're aware of Burlington, mm-hmm. Massachusetts. In fact, we just had Chris Millington on. He's from Brockton, Massachusetts or somewhere down there. I don't know. It's all the same. City of Champions. Um, sweet. So you're still up there, huh? Yep. yep. Are you going to go to the Milford hike? Um, probably. Uh, awesome. I've, been to, I've been to a bunch of different hikes, but they were never in Milford. They were all in uh, Charlestown and around Boston. Awesome. Well, we have the, um, I already said the date when we started, but I yep. forgot. Uh, May 29th. May 29th, Milford, Massachusetts. Go to reverentwarriors.com and register there. You're going to have fun, man. Uh, it's a good crowd. I know you got the book dropping. You're probably going to be busy, but if you can make it to that hike, um, I'll let folks know you're coming, unless you want to just kind of hang out and hide in the crowd. That's another thing too. Or I can let them know you're coming and they'll give you an introduction. Maybe you can show everyone the book and do whatever. If the Milford people would write me back, and I move on. Okay, so uh, everybody's career in the military ends. Yours ended, obviously. Um, did you prepare at all for getting out of the Marines? What was on your radar? You're like, okay, here's my drop dead date. What's happening the next day? Well, luckily, I, I was a Marine reservist. So I was in for six years, and uh, I went to college. And then I was able to obviously uh, attend the police academy. And I was a police officer at the same time. Okay. So um, I was doing dual careers in college and a master's degree and stuff like that. So... What was good about my unit, um, my second unit. So my first unit was 2nd Battalion, 25th Marines. And I got to go to Iraq with them, which was pretty awesome. But it was all NYPD, oh, FDNY nice. guys, and New Yorkers who had sort of, like witnessed 9-11. Yeah. And to be deployed with like that group of people was just fascinating to talk to them and, and be under their command and, and talk to them. And that was really cool. And then when I went in 2011, I was with all Boston <laughs> Boston firemen, Boston police, Boston people, Boston lawyers. It was just like, so we all, you know, so getting out was pretty cool because um, we all had each other's back and we were all in the industry of the state of Massachusetts. So I, I was fortunate on that. Sure. And I you know, wrote, I, oh, go ahead. I see that because when I was, you know, in the police academy, there were kids who were active duty and they came from Tennessee and Nebraska and, um, they were starting literally from scratch. So I was able to help them out too. Yeah. How did you, uh, and I don't know if I've ever asked this of a reservist, but it just dawned on me right now. Like, and the fact that you brought up that you had all these, these uh, kids from other places, uh, when you're a reservist, it's kind of like the old world war two style, right? You train, you live, you're all kind of from the same area and then you deploy to the same area together. Is that right? Yeah. From the most part in world war. Well, what happened was I believe it was the, it was the civil war that actually, um, that was a huge mistake that they did that where they, everyone deployed together because whole towns were wiped out. So like, I think there was a town in Maine. Um, Oh yeah, that makes sense. That lost all their men and boys. And then the whole town was all females. I can't think of the, I can't think of the, um, the name of the town. So around world war one and world war two, they would do that. So if you were the 34th infantry division, you're out of Minnesota, but then they started pulling guys from everywhere during the draft. So kids from Boston went to Minnesota, Minnesota kids from, you know, California to Minnesota, kids from Minnesota went to Louisiana, whatever, um, because they made a big fuck up and uh, with the civil war and whole towns of men were wiped out. Yeah. Same, um, same thing and, in um, 
uh, World War II, you think about the Sullivan brothers. Uh, there were five of them all in one ship. Ship went down. Yeah. Mom lost yeah. every freaking son. Unbelievable. Right. That was early on. And then so, you know, they they learned from their mistakes and then um, they evened out, you know, the casualty ratings by switching guys up in different units. So I meet guys all unless they were um, not a replacement or an original member, then um, they most likely weren't from that state when okay. they went to that National Guard unit. Now, yeah. fast forward to your uh, question about you know, post 9-11 is a little different. We're not dying in droves. So, yes, a lot of us were all from New England. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, I kind of, I mean, everyone's homesick. I remember, you know, I, I was so psyched to, to sign up and to go off. And then after like a month there, I'm like, God damn it, I miss Boston. I miss all those people. And, and it must be nice, though, to know that, you, you know, you're going to be stationed in Massachusetts, you're not going anywhere. You deploy, you come back. It's not like they're going to go, Hey, guess what, Andy, you're uh, going to be up in Elmendorf, Alaska or something like that. You're yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was, uh, for, well, I mean, it depends how you look at it. I was fortunate because hello, we all joined. Uh, most of us joined after nine 11. We wanted to go to war. Yeah. Um, we knew what we were getting into. So as a reserve, I mean, I have a few friends now on the force that are finishing up their reserve contracts and, unfortunately didn't get to go anywhere well i joined as a time where i got to get, get to see both campaigns so yeah yeah and we, we that's a common theme on the show is you know folks that don't get to deploy how much they beat themselves up and it's like ah it's not your fault it's just kind of you're right. a cog man and the, yeah. the, the cog does what it does but okay we have you on because of a book that you wrote so how do you go from being a a, a cop uh, a marine to an author like where where did you study history did you study english lit? what what how tell us that so no, I didn't study history and I hated school and okay. in uh, public school growing up. I mean, I was put in the corner. I was put in the, um, you know, basically against the wall because I hated school so much and I was a distraction. Uh, when I came home was you, you started to see this wave of on this trend of veterans, um, you know, being always labeled with post-traumatic stress disorder. And why is this, pro well, this a problem that a problem? Well, when I came home, I returned home to Winthrop, Massachusetts, and there was a square called Andrew Biggio Square, which is my name, but it yeah. wasn't it wasn't dedicated to me. It was my grandfather's brother who was killed in World War II. Okay. Who was 19, so Andrew Biggio. And, you know, we all have survivor's guilt, but for some reason, seeing my own name on a memorial square kind of hit differently. It was like, what happened to this 19 year old kid named Andrew Biggio that didn't happen to me? Yes. Obviously world war two and Afghanistan are completely different uh, wars, but what, what happened to him? I feel so bad for this kid named Andrew Biggio. So it, it just, I having to drive by that sign every day was like a mind screw. Sure. My grandmother said she had kept his letters. He wrote home before he was killed. Uh, and I went and I started to read his letters and I started to read the letters of this angry little grunt from, <laughs> from 1944. I was like, Oh my God, I'm like reading an identical letter that I would have wrote home. You know, he's in these little letters shitting on Pogue saying, Oh, for every man on the front line is 300 men behind him. Mom, you know, we're fighting in the Hills in Italy while the other guys are drinking and partying in Rome. And I'm reading this little angry grunt, this little angry 19 year old kid. When I get home, I'm going to tell everybody exactly where I was in combat. And then the letters start to get really sad. They start to say, mom, send me the gold cross. I don't want to go back up this hill again. You know, we lost, you know, our, our buddy Frank today. And then all of a sudden, September 12th, the letters stopped because he was killed on September 17th. 
reading these kids' letters, the first letter I opened was how much he enjoyed the M1 rifle, the M1 Grand. So okay. I went out and I bought. I went out and bought an M1 Grand because I wanted to feel what he felt. I wanted to hold what he held. I wanted to connect with this this poor kid that got killed in action. And I took the rifle to my family and I'm like, hey, look, this is what Uncle Andy was carrying during the war. And people like just viewed it as a gun. Well, you know, that didn't, that wasn't good enough for me. I'm like, someone else has to appreciate this. And I'm like, wait a minute, you know, the guy who lives down the street from me was in the Battle of Okinawa. Let me go bring him this rifle, see what he remembers. And his name was Joe Drago. He was a Marine, fought in the Battle of Okinawa with the 6th Marine Division. And he had really been bound to a, a recliner uh, by the age of 91. His legs had atrophied. It's a really skinny. He wasn't getting around and getting a lot of exercise. He was, you know, in his dying days. So I knocked on his door and I said, hey, Joe, do you remember this? And I placed the M1 into his hands. And this burst of energy just shot out of him. He puts the rifle in his shoulder. He's waving it around. He's aiming in. He's laughing from ear to ear. And I'm, I'm like ducking out of the way because the rifle is swung by my face. And he starts going into the Battle of Okinawa and telling me about the war. And I, I was there for two hours recording, like on my iPhone, just recording what he was saying. And he's like, hey, go in my my." sock drawer i want to give you something before you leave and i went into a sock drawer i pulled out it was a, a like a velvet crown royal bag and he's like these are yours now you can have them and i opened them up and it was japanese gold teeth oh that, man that he, that he had taken off somebody in uh okinawa and i was like well you know sign my rifle i, I always want to remember to sign my rifle and as you can see there's all the same yeah. He signs the M1. He didn't want to. He's like, this is such a beautiful weapon. Why would you want me to mark it up? And I said, just sign this. I never want to forget this moment. And I left his front porch. I'm looking down at his name on that rifle. And I said, I have to collect as many goddamn names on this thing as possible because I am hooked. I am hooked. And five years later and 200 veterans later, I said, why don't I make a book about this journey? That's that's incredible. I mean, that's the first thing you notice when you look at that uh, that book. And I think somewhere I, I maybe when I was researching uh, the book and all that stuff, I saw that that M1 and with just all the signatures across it and down the other side. I mean, that's to me, that's akin to having like a spear from the 300 that they all like put their mark on or something like that, because this is a generation of people that th- there's not many left uh, there. They I mean, the youngest are like what ninety? So this no, is some- no, the youngest are about ninety six. Jesus. Yeah, ninety five, ninety six. Honestly, it depends how you look at it. Um, not to cut you off. Sorry. No, no, that's I'm, fine. I'm obsessed with this clock because I'm watching how many guys we're gonna have left. Yeah. So sixteen million men and women were issued the World War II Victory Medal. Okay, that was like if you were in between nineteen forty one and nineteen forty eight. You got that. Okay. okay. 16 million. So, 16 million. Okay? okay. So that was like their almost national defense ribbon back then. Okay. Because if you just had, so that didn't mean you saw combat. That didn't even mean you left the United States. Right. Now, what we're talking about, what this book is talking about are the guys from 41 to 45. All right. So that number is even smaller. Now, the youngest you could have been to seen combat in World War II would have been you caught the Battle of Okinawa, which was the last major battle. So that would put you at the birth year of 1926, roughly. Okay. 
Okay. So, so the youngest you could have been to have seen combat in World War II right now is is 95. 95 is what you'd have to be. So, and like I said, that's that's the last battle looking for Okinawa vets. You know, and now rewind if you want to find someone who fought in North Africa, very rare, Sicily, Italy. Yeah. You know, they're on actual June 6th. You know, it, it's getting harder and harder. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's amazing to think of. I remember, um, so I studied modern European history in, in my undergrad, and a lot of it was obviously World War II because that was modern European history. And uh, I mean, this was in 99 I graduated. So I, I just remember back then being like, wow. And we used to talk about it, really, because I, I did a paper where I had to do what they call primary sources. And they're like, hey, the numbers are getting low. That was 20 years ago. That was 22 years ago. Um, and I remember as a kid, the World War I veterans were like these guys now in their 90s, maybe early centurions or whatever. And, um, and yeah, there wasn't that many. Then suddenly they were gone. Uh, it kind of puts, and, and I guess we'll, we'll ask you about that. It kind of puts a, what is that word I'm looking for? Uh, synonym for, it, it puts pressure on you to, to get these stories out there before it's too late. It's a, it's a race against time. Um, and I'm not the first swinging, you know what, to write a book about World War II. Sure. Yeah. Okay. It's been written about, but, I guess. <laughs> right. Okay. I'm the, I'm from the 10th million, probably more person to write a book about World War II. What do you do? Right. But never before, not, yeah. Never before do you have the youngest generation of veterans saying goodbye to the oldest one. So I'm capturing what you're saying, right? Yeah. We woke up one day and the World War One veterans were gone. Right. Frank Buckles died in 2011. He was 110. Wow. He was the last World War, World War One veteran. I believe he was an ambulance driver. He was from West Virginia or he was a medic. Yeah. Okay. Um, I said to myself, I'm not going to let that happen with, I want, I had an Iraq or Afghanistan veteran talking to these guys on how they lived a successful life after combat and capturing their story. So it's like the youngest generation saying goodbye to the oldest generation. That's what makes my book different than all these other books. And, you know, some people out there write books about World War II. They never, they've never even interviewed a, a World War II veteran. I don't, I don't get that. Yeah. And my grandfather, I used to remember talking with him. Here's when I hear, I, I almost don't want to say this. It makes me feel so guilty. But when I was in like 10th, grade no when I was 10 I don't know he wrote me a whole thing about his experiences in the North Atlantic completely lost it it was like a three-page letter uh, between moving like four or five times suddenly it's gone and it's like there's few things that I I really regret re, totally regret losing and that's that's probably number one I mean I, I still hope like every now and then I'll find something old I'm like oh god please let this be the letter and I open it up and it's and it's not it's just one of those things um, I realize we're burning through our time here. Uh, what did you learn about yourself? Oh, you have the fo- Hey, Jeremy, pull up the photo of the, the rifle. What'd you learn about yourself while doing this? Um, there it is. Can you blow that up? <laughs> we all found that one. Jeez, you know, that's this. funny. That's not me. Um, no, you know, yeah, I, I saw it. I, uh, I was l- look, trying to track down a, a World War II veteran in New Hampshire. And these, police, these police offered to help me find the guy's address and I let them take a photo with it. Um, I think it was, oh God, Stafford, New Hampshire. Yeah. Nice. So that, where, that, where's mm-hmm. the rifle now? Uh, it's, it's with, it's, it's still in my possession. Um, it's behind me right now, but w- what I want to do is, um, the whole, <sighs> the, 
I wanted to give it to one single museum. And then the more I thought about it, it would be better to be like a traveling exhibit. So it would be on display rotating. And there was, there's some sort of screen of something that like, will give you the biography of each person who signed it. What was unique, their contribution to the second world war. Yeah. And so on. That thing's incredible, man. That's priceless. You, you've created something priceless. Uh, and you're right. There's been a billion books written about World War II, but you found a way to tell the story, not only with the last remaining few, but in a way that no one has told it yet. Man, I'm really looking forward to reading that. And, and I would love to see that rifle someday. I mean, that's, that's just, yep. I mean, there's, there's just so much history in that. It's priceless. It's a priceless thing. I mean, what? Well, if, um, if you ever decide to come back up to Mass on August 1st. Oh, shit. We're going to be up there. Um, to answer Maybe. that kid's question, I put polyurethane on the rifle. Okay. Um, August 1st, I'm trying to reunite every living member who signed that rifle together for one, for my major book signing book launch. And I have a documentary that I filmed because I also brought them back overseas to where they fought in Italy and in Belgium and Normandy. Oh, wow. Damn. Um, just to see exactly what they were talking about, where their foxholes were. Um, but yeah, August 1st, the book comes out June 1st and on Amazon everywhere. But on August 1st, I'm going to try to, you know, I got about 30 of them have already RSVP'd to be in the same room together. So we're going to awesome. do a major at the um, American Heritage Museum in Hudson, Massachusetts. Nice. I know we were kind of pressed for time to get you on this this broadcast just because of the fact that um, that the book drops in, in a few days. But I mean, we could talk to you for two hours and, and yeah. I'm gonna make it a point to have you back on the show. So Please we can, do. I love it. Yep. We can we can go back into this. Make it over to Milford, Mass. Oh, oh when's the um, the raffle? Scott Husing. Um, I don't know. Look it up. Scott Husing uh, did a podcast with me a while. Yeah, ago. that's uh, I actually don't know when that would. That's his. Okay. Um, he it's his thing. The brave. It's completely unrelated. Oh, okay. Because yeah. it was a signed rifle. So I automatically put two to two together, but yeah, that son of a bitch copied me. Oh, no, he did. He did. He's, now, he's, uh, he's doing something good for save the brave and had Woody sign a, a different kind of rifle. So awesome. Awesome. Well, we won't plug his shit. We'll plug your shit. <laughs> Andrew Biggio, uh, the rifle, check it out. Drops on June 1st. I will buy it. I'm going to be the first one in line. <laughs> That's what I used to say it. in the old days. You're a little late. I already pre-ordered it. Oh, you did? So did I. So did I when I first met him, when I first met no, I'm just kidding. Okay, man. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate your time and um, awesome. Good job. Appreciate Thank you, guys. Semper Take fire. care. Rah. When a, when a Marine says Semper Fi to me, what do I say back? I feel like I'm stealing your thing if I'm you like Semper say, Fi. Uh, you say yes, dad. I know. Kiss my ass. I'm not doing that. <laughs> but, uh, I said go Air Force earlier. Do, do you know who else? Uh, Scott Husing always says, hey, brother, Semper Fi. And I'm like, yeah, and back at you, dude. Just say, like, just say oorah or kill or or rah or some shit. Just yeah. rah. Because I, I mean, I love the the sentiment, but I don't, I, I, I'm not a Marine. I don't want to use those, that language. You, call, you, you guys like use Air Force to be like, language. he says Semper Fi, brother. Just be like, aim high. You guys say things that frighten me. Uh, let's get into <gasps> mobile mental Even health. Frank agrees. What did he, he say? He says, you say thank you, daddy. <laughs> no Frank, thank you very much. Um, let's, I want to read, uh, let's see, I have it written here. I want to read Katie Yuhas. I'm hoping she's impressed that I said her name, what I think is right. She's nodding. That's what I You're think. Good. She is the proud daughter of two career Navy veterans and sister to an Army veteran and a National Guard service member. Her work on the National her work at the National Center for PTSD is focused on the development of educational resources for veterans, VA staff, and the general public, and figuring out how to get resources into the hands of those who can most 
benefit from it. We'll hold off on, on pulling up the actual site, um, but let's get into it. Let's pull her up. Where uh, it, it is uh, Dr. Owens. Is that right? Hold on. He's not here. Owen. Yeah. Is Dr. Owens not going to. Oh, you probably. I don't know if you guys. I don't know. I don't know. I just figure you're best friends and you guys just know each other and you're like, hey. Such we're good friends. friends. <laughs> uh, we do know each other. Yeah. Okay. He, I, he did confirm. So I'm assuming something happened. I'm sorry. He's not here to join us, but <sighs> okay. it is well, mobile apps. It, it makes it a little bit easier. I think when we were trying to set this thing up, Dan Mallard set this up with us. I was like, we can max, max three people. Two is doable. But one is best. So now we get to pick your brain and see how much you know. You are now in the hot seat. Okay. So the first thing I want to talk about, um, gosh, I want to, I feel like for the listeners, we have to kind of give an idea what mobile mental health is. Um, I don't have a synopsis of that. So why don't you tell us who are like, why, who is this? What is this woman talking about? Can you, can you kind of give us a snapshot? What is mobile mental health? Yeah, so we know that people who are engaged in mental health treatment, uh, best case scenario, likely go to one hour of treatment a week. And so I think mobile mental health is there to serve the gaps for people who are engaged in mental health care. And it's also there to serve the gaps for people who are not engaged, who may never be engaged in mental health care. So we have our smartphones on us all the time. They're accessible, they're discreet. You can do whatever you want on them. Nobody knows what you're doing. Um, so you could be on social media, you could be texting somebody, or you could be using a coping tool, a mobile mental health app. So all of our apps are free and publicly available. They are created with using taxpayer dollars, so they're made for everybody. Um, we always keep veterans as our primary stakeholders, so there's always content specific to veterans, but anybody can use them. And all of them have basic coping tools that people could use wherever they are in the moment to cope with distress. Um, and that could be everything from a mindfulness exercise, something that, you know, just helps you to get grounded where you are right now. Um, you mentioned tinnitus earlier at the top of the call. And what? what? Uh, I can't say that again. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, we know a lot of people use Mindfulness Coach, which is our most popular app, actually, um, specifically to help them manage. There's We have a whole component uh, within VA where we're working with audiologists um, to help use mindfulness exercises for people who have tinnitus. And um, that's just one really specific example. We also, obviously, I work for the National Center for PTSD. So PTSD Coach is our flagship app. It's the first VA DOD app created back in 2011. And that one has uh, four main components. So it includes coping tools, like I said, also crisis resources. So we wanna make sure that everybody, whoever they are, would have access to 24 seven resources should they ever find themselves in a crisis or if they know somebody else who finds themselves in a crisis. Um, this last year was particularly hard for a lot of us. And I personally have called the crisis line several times for people that I love. Um, and they're awesome. The Veterans Crisis Line is super helpful. Uh, anytime that you are struggling, they're there for you. It's 1-800-273-8255. I almost forgot. <laughs> Um, but it's a great resource and we have it in all of our mobile apps so that you don't have to remember that number. You can find it right there. Um, we also have short readings about different things related to whatever the app topic is. So for PTSD, it could be, you know, what is, what's the difference between going to a psychiatrist versus a social worker? Or what do I tell my family about my PTSD? Um, all just different FAQs that we know that people have asked uh, with short, easy to understand answers. Um, and then we also have some tracking, some, some symptom trackers in there so you can track your progress over time. 
So the app won't diagnose you, but you can see how your symptoms are going up and down over time and get a sense for, you know, maybe they've been on an upward trend, maybe I should check in with my doctor, um, or they've been going down and that's pretty good. You know, that can feel validating. Sometimes it's hard to tell how you're doing in the moment. It, it never ceases to amaze me the way technology and this current generation of, uh, of veterans like this, this um, it, it spawns so much innovation. Um, the ability to reach out, to connect. I mean, if you should, if you saw a reverend warrior's social media, I mean, every day somebody's putting something and talking and, uh, I mean, it, it, it's, it's refreshing to know that the VA has, cause you know, some people think of the VA as like, um, you know, the old, the old guard, the old, uh, um, uh, what do you call that veterans hangout where you're like, I don't know if they really get me or anything, but, but mm-hmm. switching to something like this, I think is very important because as, as Andrew just, uh, uh, pointed out, you know, the, the older generations, I mean, their numbers are dwindling and we have this whole group of people who were, you know, probably born in the nineties that are now veterans. And this is the way they communicate. This is the way they talk. Uh, what, yeah. what, was, what was the catalyst to coming up with something like this? You know, this happened before I was at VA. There was um, a very innovative woman named Dr. Julia Hoffman, um, who actually worked, she had a joint position where she was at the National Center for PTSD and also what was then known as the National Center for Telehealth and Technology, which is within DOD. It's now been rebranded as the Defense Health Agency Connected Health Branch. Um, It's kind of a mouthful, but she just saw this opportunity. She knew it was something that should be done and she thought VA and DOD were the right people to do it. And so they created PTSD Coach. I saw somebody ask what's the name of the app. Um, we have a whole bunch of them, but PTSD Coach is the first one that we came out with. There's there's a ton. If you go on a thing, I when I was researching this, I'm like, holy shit, there's like seven or eight pages of them. <laughs> yeah, no, we do have a lot, um, but each one serves a slightly different purpose. I would say with PTSD Coach, before they even knew that it was released, they actually somehow it it trickled back down from up above that a veteran had called the crisis line. And when the operator said, you know, how can I help you? What's going on? He was like, I don't know. I'm using this app. And it told me I needed to call. And just like, okay, (laughs) what we spent on this was worth it because it's serving its purpose. Um, So it's supposed to be there to help get people connected to care, connected to crisis resources. It also has, you know, just regular treatment options there to help you figure out how to get in touch with the VA, how to get in touch with community providers, um, just to help people wherever they are. Because uh, we know that there is a lot out there. It can be hard to digest. So everything that's in there has been vetted by experts. Um, it's high quality and, and good information. Um did COVID force you guys to act faster? Um, I know that I, I used to go to weekly therapy sessions with the, the vet center and then obviously that shut down uh, pretty quickly. And, um, and then we switched to, to remote, whatever it's called, remote telehealth. And I, I didn't like it. I didn't like telehealth at all. I mean, I, I just didn't respond to it. So I kind of just backed off of that, but yeah. How did COVID affect this whole process? Yeah. So the mobile app team, so Dr. Jason Owen, who's uh, going to be here, is the lead for our mobile apps team. And they basically dropped everything and started working on COVID Coach, which was an app to help people with the stress that the pandemic was bringing on. Uh, Dr. Beth Jaworski, who's also on our team, was actually the lead for that app. And in about three weeks, they had uh, taken sort of the shell of PTSD Coach and tailored everything in it for the pandemic. So it had a lot more resources for basic needs. Um, So just, you know, how do I pay my rent if I, I don't have income coming in? How do I get connected to a food pantry? 
Um, it also had a lot more coping tools that you could use just independently. So if you're stuck at home or things you could do with your children, if you're stuck at home with, with your kids um, or things you could do with a partner or roommate, things like that. Um, and then it connected people to a lot of really great resources to learn more about whatever concerns or anxieties they might have that were pandemic specific. And so that one was actually released last April um, rapidly and has been hugely popular. It's you know a really nice looking app if you um, for anybody who wants to download it. Uh, it will be rebranded, assuming the pandemic ever fully ends. Um, so, it's gonna end. It's gonna end. Yes. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> we hope. Um, it'll be a general wellness app, uh, just because the reception for it has been so good. So quick question real quick, and I mean to interrupt. Yeah, yeah. So Frank asked the question, so my dad is a Vietnam vet. How does the older generation use this? Yeah, the same way the younger generation does. So we actually have a couple of researchers within VA who have looked specifically at older veterans and how they're able to use the apps. And by and large, they might be tech novices. They might be less comfortable using them. But just a few minutes of showing them, you know, this is how you download it. We're going to open it up together. I'm going to sit side by side and let you drive. So you're going to be the one tapping. They figure it out really quickly. Um, there are little things that you can do sometimes to make it easier. So there was one study uh, where they actually renamed apps. So instead of Spotify, for example, it might say music. Um, and instead of, I don't know, like whatever your, your text messaging app is, it might say family chat. Um, so they just made it super obvious what you actually use it for as opposed to the given name. And that was all the older veterans needed to actually find the things they were looking for. And so with our app specifically, there's a researcher named Dr. Christine Gould, who's also a psychologist. And she took our screenshots and just basic things about the apps, blew them up a little bit bigger and created these booklets to help orient people who don't have a lot of experience with apps. And she found that pretty much across the board, people were able to use it. So you know, there may be some hesitancy, especially if people are less uh, comfortable using apps. It's not something that they've done much of. But I would say after a year of social isolation, people have gotten a lot better with it. Um, I have a, you guys were talking about some much older veterans. My 93-year-old grandfather is a Korean War veteran, and I've sat him down and walked through these. And I don't know that he uses it all the time, um, but it's certainly something that he was able to use. And he was like, oh, yeah, I can see how this works. Um, it's not, it's not something they can't pick up. They're made to be straightforward. My, my father-in-law, Frank, I'm calling you out. He's got a flip phone. <laughs> uh, he was Vietnam, Vietnam era. Uh, he was in, in Germany. Uh, but, um, yeah, he, he so yeah, there, there's a little bit of, of that. And I think a lot of, a lot of the older guys might be hesitant to it. Um, as a medical provider myself, I, I find it hard to convince patients to try out different modalities, right? And I'm, what I'm focusing on this question is younger to middle-aged uh, males in particular. So like I'll ask people, you know, come in with shoulder pain or maybe anxiety or something like that. I say, try daily yoga, try diet, um, you know, modify your diet. You'll be eating this stuff that causes your body to panic because you're feeding it garbage. Um, meditation, <laughs> mindfulness, all this stuff. How do your apps, uh, basically what I'm getting at is that when I bring that up to them, I often get eye rolls. They're like, you want me to do yoga three times a week? And I'm like, yes, please just turn, shut your door, pull up your phone, pull up a 10 minute yoga for shoulders and just do it. No one's going to see and, and uh, trust me, you're going to feel better. How do your apps address these hesitancies? And do you know why this generation of dudes, and I say dudes because I, I find with, yeah, with most of my female patients, they're, they're really open to it. Um, but the male patients just don't want to. Yeah, I think habits are hard. Um, 
you know, you're saying you should do your stretches multiple times. I should do that too. I, I don't, you know, I have chronic neck pain and if I stretch all the time, it, it doesn't hurt. Yeah. Do some yoga. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> some habits are hard to break. But I would say one nice thing with the apps is um, they all have built-in reminders. And so sometimes you just need a prompt. Like if somebody tells you on a Friday, okay, next week, I want you to do this three times. The whole week could go by and you might not even think of it. But if somebody says, okay, I want you to do this three times next week. So we're going to go ahead and open up your phone. We're going to set the reminders for a time that you think works for you. And that could be during your lunch break. It could be, you know, the hour before you go to bed, whatever time you think you might be able to commit to this, that's when we're going to set it for. So like you're trying to work with something that seems realistic in and of itself. And then you try to get specific with it. So it's not just play with the app. I mean, you could say that, but it's, I want you to go into the manage symptoms section and I want you to try out three different tools. So you've set three reminders each time, try something different. And then we're going to talk about it when you come back next time. And so there's a follow-up, there's an expectation that it's not, you know, you're not sending them out to do this without any sort of hook. It's like, okay, we're going to check on you when you come back. And one of the nice things with the apps is I think the reminders do help for just reminding people that, hey, this exists. Um, but I also think there's an accountability piece for some of these exercises, especially if you've assigned an assessment, for example, um, because you can check, like it records their score. So somebody could be like, oh yeah, yeah, I took it. And it's like, okay, well, let's look at your score. Let's see how you did. Um, and so if they didn't, then it's like, okay, so why didn't you, what got in the way? And then that can facilitate a conversation around what barriers are there to doing the things that they've said they want to do, because these are all things that hopefully are helping them in their life to reach the goals that they've said they have. So it's not something you're not trying to force this upon anybody. And certainly if somebody's like, yeah, the app's not for me. I took a look, I don't like it. Like, okay, it's not for everybody, but trying to get concrete with it, trying to fit it into their current lifestyle with realistic expectations, I think can help get you a little bit closer. Um, but I will say we did come up with a guide uh, for COVID coach specifically that is a 30 day guide. People can do it whenever they want. And each day it introduces them to a new tool. Um, and the idea is that self-care is specific to each individual. What I like to do for myself may not be the same as what you like to do for self-care. And so we want to introduce you to a variety of different tools that are in the app and you find what works for you. Hopefully at the end of 30 days, you've tried, you know, at least five or six things that you actually like that you feel are worth coming back to, you know, thereafter. Absolutely. Well, that's, that's fantastic. Uh, uh, I'm going to, I might put you on the spot with this one, but we'll see how you, how you answer it. We'll see how, how smooth you are. Uh, a complaint that I hear a lot, uh, I hear a lot is dissatisfaction with the classic PTSD cocktail of psychotropic medicines, talk therapy. Um, I've heard a lot of good things about alternative therapies. How, how open is the VA to these therapies? I know they're, they're starting to shift and they're starting to do things like, uh, get, get, uh, vets hooked up with, with, um, service animals and, and things like that. Are you seeing a shift in the VA as far as uh, alternate modalities go? Yeah. So I want to give a big disclaimer. I'm not saying this is like official VA policy. This is just me observing, you know, as a bystander. Um, but you're so, you're so fired. Right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I like, you just, you know, just want to, just in case. Um, but no, the VA has actually put a ton of effort into what they call whole health, uh, which is a meant to be a holistic program where they, identify with the veteran when they come in, what their specific goals and values are, what they want to work toward. So it's not so much symptom reduction, which I think a lot of times when you go to a medical appointment, it's like, okay, what are your symptoms? What are you experiencing that you don't like? Let's try to get rid of those. 
but instead it's, what do you want to work toward? You know, where are you in your life right now? What, what issues are you having? What goals do you, should we set for your treatment? And then how can we work together to, to help facilitate that? And I think one of the nice things about Whole Health is that they've actually hired a lot of, um, I don't know exactly what their, their roles are, if it's recreation therapy or what it falls under, but you know, Tai Chi is really popular. Uh, yoga is popular. Aquatic sports are popular. Um, just different forms of exercise and movement because people know that that's a really important piece of their, their lifestyle for people who are healthy. Um, they've also, their partnerships with equine therapy. I think even the National Center for PTSD actually um, gets requests all the time about the dog therapy and the benefit to having a canine companion. Um, one of my immediate colleagues has been doing a long-term study on that actually to see if there are sort of physiological changes that happen in people when they have a dog with them. Um, so there's, there's a lot of interest there. There's definitely a lot of support there. I would say that the gold standard treatments are the talk therapy uh, and medications. And so that is still probably the first thing that you'll hear pushed, um, but there's a lot of other things that are offered as well. Uh, the efficacy of psychotropics um, aren't aren't that good, but the talk therapy, I agree. Uh, I, I went through CPT and I went in being like, oh, dude, I, I felt like going into a football game and having the other team's playbook because, I mean, I have the DSM, whatever it's called, sitting on my desk. I'm like, this isn't going to work on me. And then I, I put in the effort because, I mean, I asked this of people. I figured I'm going to do it myself. And, uh, and no, CPT does work really well. And I guess that's a, a form of talk therapy and stuff. Yeah, so yeah you're, you're right. That, that stuff does work. <laughs> um, I want you to check out the movie. Uh, my friend Jerry Sher made a movie called, uh, quiet explosions. And, and it's kind of been a, a recurring theme on this show because, uh, I'm a TBI advocate. Um, it's very outside the, the box, I guess, treatments that tend to work, but check out, uh, quiet explosions. It's about Dr. Mark Gordon and, um, special forces operator, Andrew Mar and their, their uh, treatment modalities for things like PTSD. And, and he's been talking with people over at the VA and hopefully there's going to be some overlap there and we'll start having some, some uh, folks on that. Hey, this is what I thought we would do. I thought this might be kind of cool is have Jeremy... Let's let's put Jeremy through the system. Let's just well, we're not going to do a phone. We'll do the because um, I guess the apps are also available via computer. So he's some gonna... of them. So okay. just to be clear, we have online courses that are sort of analogous to the apps, but they are separate. Um, okay. The, there are definitely some veterans actually talking about the older veterans. Some of the older veterans are more comfortable with a computer, and okay. so online courses can be a nice alternative. Um, but the apps only work on either tablets or smartphones. Okay. Oh, okay. So, because yeah, I'm using my phone as the camera, so I wouldn't be able to. No, I think, here, pull this up. Well, pull I, ha the, I have the website up as okay, well. Pull that it's up. Got the, I'll show it's, you, because I played with it this afternoon on a on a thing. All right, so yeah. I love your repartee, by the way. You two are great. <laughs> oh, <laughs> thank you. I'm like, I don't know what word she said, Jeremy. <laughs> she likes our something. The banter. <laughs> oh, yeah, that... I would say pay attention to some of the previous episodes or don't. <laughs> no, it's at your own risk. Don't. Yeah, that's um, – come on, Jeremy. This is a classy show. That's why I said at your own risk. All right, go to um, – I think I found the – well. I can't read it from here. The PTSD Coach Online? No, it was like the um, the mindfulness, I think. Hit that arrow to the right. Go down. No, no, Good. I wish I could point to you. There you go. Mindfulness? Okay. Yeah, click on the mindfulness. We're going to get, we're gonna get uh, you mindful. So let's just see. Let's see how this – um, let's see. Okay. So he pulls it up. He says, I'm a little stressed out today. Um, why is it not the one that's on the, 
I swear to God, I was on this earlier today and it works. Hold on. Were you on your device or tablet? Or no, no, no. I was on, I was on a, a laptop, a Dell laptop. You might have been on PTSD Coach Online. Has okay, been- go to that one. Go to that one. Now, would it be, maybe I used the wrong link. Yeah, yeah. Here, this is where I was. Okay, yeah. over oh, there. You mean a completely different one? There you go. Yeah, so do like, uh, I don't know, sleep problems. Hmm, Wait, why am I telling you what to do? I'm going to let you do it. Um, Jeremy, you choose which path you want to go down. Choose your own adventure. Man. No, let's go sadness or hopelessness. Nope, let's not go deep. Let's just go sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Jeremy's going to cry. I was like, wait, no, no. You're just going to be a psychopath like me where you have no whatsoever human feelings. Already (laughs) dealing with that now. Let's just go to sleep. Okay. Okay, yeah. Okay. So, so okay, you're having sleep problems. You can start anywhere? Mm-hmm. So these are all individual exercises. So um, sort of what I was saying before, like each one is a little bit different. So if you try one and you're like, eh, I don't really like that one, try a different one. Um, Quick stress reliever. Slightly oh, different. There we, go. there we go. I think you have to have, do you have your uh, volume or your? Uh, I sure can. Okay, now go ahead. Let's see it. Sometimes we carry tension and stress in our bodies yeah. and we don't even know it. Oh, of course but hunched I can shoulders it. and clenched jaws and tense muscles can really make it hard to relax. Relax your body is a tool that you can use to learn when your body is tense and to learn how to relax it. Does that include clenched fists? It does. It does. Um, <laughs> no, it makes sense because uh, yeah. well, I was I was having some jaw issues. This is like before I ever went for any treatment. And it was like every 10 minutes, it reminded me like I, I had an alarm. It was an app and it was like, check your your tension. And I would relax my jaw every time. And it worked like eventually I wasn't like, mm, oh, yeah, because you go from ow, my jaw and my teeth hurt to they don't hurt anymore. There was there was one that I was using where it was like it gave you lessons and it was when like what do you want to work on? The thoughts we have about our it's cool to have these little um really these little videos that kind of so this, yeah and this is just an intro so if you actually want to do the tool you tap oh um, yeah yeah again. I see that let's oh, see, I see yeah. that. it was oh, oh okay wow. okay it goes to the full so um full thing. I'll so drink just, before bedtime yeah select one of them <laughs> what am I <my> alcohol <laughs> sorry. <laughs> It's Thursday. It's Thirsty Thursday. Click next. So it's on the, there you go. So presumably like more of those, but it's going to then give you some tips about what you could do. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. So, I mean, I mean, obviously get out of bed is one. That was the one I had to deal with today was just get get out of bed. Need need to to do that first. Um, Doing something calming. That's, that's one thing I, I personally, I know a lot of my friends here, especially those watching this, do something calming instead of just go out and, and like, oh, my God, I'm going to deal with jerk off drivers all afternoon. No, do something <laughs> to relax yourself. Go back to bed when you're sleepy. Yeah, that's and a good try. Pull up uh, <laughs> pull up my my camera here. Pull up yours? Yeah. So this is what it looks like. Hold on. Let me pull up the. Gosh, come on, Kevin. This Are you doing great. it from the all mobile? Right, so there's the little app. Can you even see it? Yeah, maybe. It's, I'm going to put it right where that thing is. It's right there. See that little reflection is? So I'm going to click on it. Can you even hear me? Yep. This is how This is how we, this is how we roll. This is how we roll. Okay, so then you get in there. It's probably not going to work because that light is we'll too We'll back bright. it up a little bit. Back in. There, you, there go. you go. All right, so I'm going to hold it at an angle so you don't see that. But then you got like track progress, manage symptoms, learn, get support, crisis resource. I mean, these are fantastic um, because what's the biggest thing, especially like on our social media, someone will reach out and be like, I'm having a, a shit, horrible day. 
um, and I need to talk to someone. And, you know, what if nobody's checking their social media at that time? They can go to this and they can they can pull that stuff. Oh, up. hey, Kevin. So you did. Yeah. So going back to what you were saying a minute ago, you did go to the PTSD coach. Brought okay. it up, yeah. And some of them do have the availability for online. It's PTSD coach online for desktop. Oh, OK. There it so is. So that's what you're looking for. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's what you were talking about. OK. So yep, some of them exactly do it. have that. Yeah. 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 But they don't sync up with the mobile app. So we always no. try to be clear because sometimes people are like, oh, you know, I've taken the assessment a bunch of times. Why am, not, am I not seeing it here? And it's like they're separate. So we have super high, a really high bar for security and privacy. It's right. um, one thing to, to definitely underscore. So if people download the app, you don't ever put in like your name or your, you know, no identifiable information. And the only information that we see at the VA is the sort of de-identified like button presses basically but we don't know who's pressing the button we don't know where they are we just see that you know somebody somewhere went in to manage symptoms and tried this tool for this many minutes um and so that allows us to sort of see what's what people are using what they like what they're not using um and then also if there are ever crashes or bugs then we can track those down and get those fixed Uh, but definitely want to underscore that really high security so people don't need a DS log on. They don't need ID me. Nope. They don't need my healthy vet. They don't need any credentials like that. Um, what's funny is uh, my therapy was through the vet center, which isn't related to the VA at all. They got their own budget and everything. And I, when I went on my phone to download this to play with it, it was already on there. And then I remembered the people over the vet center is like, <laughs> put this on here. So, I mean, it's, it's well known and it's, uh, yeah. So there, everybody's kind of picking up on that. Well, fantastic. Do you have, um, is there anything I really haven't touched on uh, about this that you want to make sure we, we highlight for our, our millions of viewers across the globe? <laughs> Guam, <Hey>. England, <laughs> we got them everywhere. That's awesome. Um, I thank you for the opportunity to be here. Thank you to shout out to Dan Mallard for uh, introducing us. I think the biggest thing for us is uh, we get great feedback. You know, you mentioned earlier about the VA and innovation and we literally have reviews in the app store and Google play. Sometimes they're like, this is so good. I can't believe the government made it. Um, so we, <laughs> they're good. People like it. You can see the ratings. Um, we have lots and lots of people who email us on a weekly basis to tell us what it, the app has meant to them, the difference it's made in their lives. Um, and that's really what it's all about at the end of the day is, you know, this is a way for us to try to reach people wherever they are to help get them tools that they can use in the moment and crisis resources should they need it. So awesome. You know, whether or not you feel like you're stressed right now, go download one of the apps, check it out, see what you like, you know, and if you're bored at work next week, go try a different tool. Or if you're, you know, I don't, I don't, I was going to say stuck in traffic, but don't use your phone when you're driving. <laughs> <laughs> if you're stuck on a plane or on a train or something like that. And what's, what's the quickest way, um, cause the website I have is ptsd.va.gov. Um, but do you know what? I found it just by Googling, um, what is that, that buzzword I use? PTSD coach, mindfulness yeah. coach. Yeah. They so, pretty yeah. much all have the coach name. So if you, uh, Google PTSD coach, it should be the first thing that comes up. And once you find one of them, you can look, it's, uh, the developer is U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. If you tap that, you'll see all the rest of the apps. And there are more VA-specific apps that are uh, made by our colleagues at the Office of Connected Care. And those are, um, some of those are what we call connected apps. So you do need to identify yourself with ID.me or uh, one of the other, one of the other ways, the DS login. Um, Those are slightly different. So ours are the ones that are specifically for mental health. They're free, they're publicly available. 
and they don't require any personally identifying information. You can use them whenever. Yeah, we have a lot of people that still deploy uh, as contractors and stuff like that. So they're really skittish about going for help and getting that. So you're not getting diagnosed, but you can at least work on something. Uh, and it works, people. I'm telling you, it works. All these alternative modalities, breathing, meditation, yoga, get fix your diet. What, are you drinking sugar over there? He's drinking well, a Red Bull. Let's go backwards because we don't advertise. But yes. oh yes, this is <laughs> He's drinking sugar over there. We're gonna get Jeremy help. He's gonna Jeremy's gonna start. I'm tell, that's your homework assignment. Quiet explosions. Um, I want you to watch that. Only re the reason why I'm kind of saying uh, I'm leaning on you for this one is because uh, Dr. Gordon has been working with the VA, trying to get the VA, trying to get Tricare, trying to get everybody on board with this. But uh, check out that movie, Quiet Explosions, um, about alternative therapies. And and Jeremy's actually going to be part of a. Uh, non-profit like experiment it's not experiment it's like a um I, a study an experiment uh but there and then he's going to come on every week and he's going to talk about uh we'll spend a few minutes each week seeing how you're feeling and and things like that and um, as long as nothing majorly traumatic happens at the at the instant moment yeah it'd be great the other thing too i want to bring up real quick and dan had had introduced me to this guy and i keep asking him and i keep forgetting his name we're going to have him on the show uh, he works with some sort of, I think he developed it, some sort of app or algorithm that will, I'm, I'm going to use the wrong terminology and butcher this. Dan, I know you're watching, so to, reach out to me because I got to get him on. So this guy actually, uh, the algorithm will, I'm going to say crawl. It'll crawl social media and it looks for uh, warnings, um, things that people start to to put on their social media before they commit suicide. Oh, warning signs, uh, yeah. triggering things. And Nate, Dar Nate Dartnell. Yes, that was him. We got to get Nate on here because it, it's really, really interesting. And and I don't know. They I know for, Nate look, knows. It, I mean, uh, Dan knows him. So I don't know if it's part of the VA or whatever, but they're able to identify people based on tweets um, that are most likely to uh, kill themselves or, or try self-harm. So it's, it's pretty remarkable the way technology is is helping our people. There are a lot of interesting things. Yeah, there are people looking at uh, heart rate. I have a colleague who's looking at heart rate while people sleep uh, mm -hmm. and changes that happen before an attempt. And um, wow. like things that you wouldn't think, you know, when you're sleeping, you wouldn't expect that to change. But he's had at least one patient for whom it did. It predicted it. Um, so they are looking at things like that. The social media, I think, is super interesting. Definitely a few privacy concerns there. Um, you know, sometimes you want to be mindful of who's looking at what and what they're doing with it. Um, with MBA, they actually used uh, an algorithm to look at everybody's health data that they already have within the system and look at people who had made an attempt or people who had died by suicide and what might they have in common. Um, so they used, you know, very sophisticated math, something that no person would be able to look at these records and be like, oh, this is what it was. But the algorithm was able to pull out these things and these you know, really, really minor things. Um, and so they now have a program and I'm not going to remember what it's called, but they actually conduct outreach to people who then have these markers to make personal connections with them and make sure that they're connected to resources uh, to hopefully preempt any sort of attempts. Awesome. That's awesome. Well, great information. Uh, Katie, you has. You, you has. You has. has. Um, it's like the avocado. <laughs> ah, yes. The has avocado. <laughs> Do you know what's stupid? My, my stupid phone, when I go to write, hey, um, something has arrived, it defaults to has, H-A-S-S. -S. Oh, no, no, no. When I do the, when I do the, I know, why? Is it, am I just running a lot about avocados? So, 
So at any point in time, if you type, if you were to type in HAS and you accidentally hit two S's and then hit space, it'll, it's a word prediction. It logs it into your phone as a, as a word you've used. Yeah. So it'll go back. You can actually delete that. But if you mess it up enough, then it's always going to go to the wrong word. You can actually go back into your phone and delete that hmm. as a rec- as a recognized um, word. Katie's like, great. I don't care. And- <laughs> no, this is good. This is like, you know, sometimes you need a little familiarization. Some more experience to walk sure. you through. It's the same with our apps. It's good. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for coming on. I think it's great information. And I think uh, our folks are going to respond well to that. So I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. It was a joy to be here. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Technology is great. Technology is great. I mean, dude, we're doing a freaking... It sounds douchey to say, but we're doing an international show. What if you guys could see? Like, there's like cardboard boxes stacked up. We've got like Jeremy's over there with a flashlight. That's our lighting. It's it's very very. Um, we use the PC word uh, taped together. It's not. It trust me. This is well, nothing. I, see, I'm okay to hold the flashlight. Last time it was a big banana leaf and it got weird. This so. is this is nothing that. Uh, but. Uh, technology is amazing, keeps us connected um, and all that. But also, do you know what? We're human beings and people don't realize like they think your brain only has enough memory. I, I think that's the wrong word, but we have the only, only the ability to connect with a small group that would have been our hunter gatherer group. So, I mean, we, we, we try to, we're like, oh, we have Teslas and we fly to Mars and we do all this crazy stuff. We're wait No, if you took a caveman and put him next to, especially me, put him next to me, he would look exactly the same. There, there's no difference between who we are. And humans have to get back. You have to get back to who you are, whether that means taking your shoes off and walking in your backyard with your bare feet, um, g- climb a tree with your kids, do uh, get some sunshine. I mean, there's all sorts of things that you can do out there. Um, now, technology is great. And what's, hey, what's the number one thing that we do um, we put our phones down and we get together half naked. Sure. But we still get together, um, all the time with these, with these silkies hikes. So don't forget that. Don't forget that. Um, I have a, a rule in my house that this does not even get looked at between five and 7 PM every night. Um, I know it's only two hours of 22, but I'm sleeping for eight. So 10, you know, it's still 14 Just hours. Just get in that eight hours prior to everything. That's right. Mm-hmm. Eight hours on my silk pillow. But the, um, I don't know. The point is that human beings, Human beings are, I hate to use the buzzword paleo, but that's what we are. We're no different than our caveman uh, uh, counterparts. So get outside, do some breathing, do some yoga. Yeah, you might look like a douche doing yoga outside, but guess what? Who cares? You're going to feel a lot better. Do you know what makes me feel really good? Me and my son uh, go, and my daughter go out on scooters and I'm riding around on a one wheel with a beard and I'm old and I'm still, I don't give a shit what people think because it's, it's the most fun I have during the day and that's all that's important. So get out there everyone and do all that stuff. I think I had a, um, I had a video to end with, but I'm trying to remember if it's, it might even be so random that people are like, why are you ending with this? Let me, Oh yeah. The one you were telling me about the, Oh yeah. This one's totally, uh, do you know what? That's that's a little that's niche. We'll it's do that totally, next time. Yeah, it's we'll totally, do that next we'll time. Open up with that. That's something we need. Like we, we need our, uh, our, our couch mate or mate and spouse, depending on who's here. That's a, that's, we need people here for that. Do you, could, have we done Arthur get out of the tank yet? Uh, I think I brought it. I brought it up at one point. I don't think we did it. I think we should uh, end this with Arthur get out of the tank. Uh, made me laugh. There's some swears. So if there's children in the room, 
don't listen. That's your fault. Uh, but yeah, this made me laugh, and it'll it'll end on a uh, a little fun here. So, guys, thanks for checking. Oh. Before we do that, uh, guys, reach out, that. call, text, get in touch with everyone you served with. Every single one of them, call them, do that. Um, I don't know. Irreverentwarriors.com, 21 Gun, spell it out. 21gun.net. Kevin at 21gun.net, spell it out. Reach out, do all that stuff. I forgot to say my spiel. Now we'll end off with Arthur. Get out of the tank. Arthur, get out of the tank. You're not my dad. Get out of the fucking tank. I am your dad. You're not my dad. I am your dad. Get out of the fucking tank. I'm in a tank and you're not. I will call the military and get out of the fucking tank. I'm literally in a tank. You're not. Get out of the You're not my dad. Literally get out of the tank. Tell me if you're military. I don't give a fuck.